Welcome to Daily Devotion with Ken Gurley. Devotions designed to inspire you on your daily walk with God. Each day we walk through the vital principles of the abundant life. Our Lord can do above and beyond all we ask or think. Here's your host, Ken Gurley. A.T. Pearson was once called the father of American missions and the father of fundamentalism. He said there has never been a spiritual awakening in any country or locality that did not begin in united prayer. United prayer, that's what he called it. Earlier proponents called it extraordinary prayer. Ordinary prayer was considered private prayer or prayer that took place in church services. But extraordinary prayer was a meeting of people who devoted themselves solely to pray. These were also called by Jonathan Edwards, concerts of prayer. Now, we think of concert in a musical sense, but they used it in terms of agreement, moving in concert, united prayer. Whatever term is used, it refers to the single greatest contributor in what has been called awakenings or great awakenings in our nation's history. And today, as we consider worship in daily devotion, We look at those awakenings, and I want to draw out this common denominator of them all, united prayer. The awakenings in this new world could be seen in similar occurrences in the old world. United prayer was part of major revival movements in Europe. In continental Europe, prayer societies sprung up within the pietist movement that swept through the Reformed Church in the 17th and 18th centuries. Those prayer societies could be very small with only a few members, or they could grow into the thousands. What the modern Pentecostal movement did to the entrenched religious world in the 20th century Pietism did in the 17th and 18th century versions of Christianity. It was impossible to ignore the renewed fervor and outreach interests brought by the pietists through their united prayer. One of those men was named von Zinzendorf. He organized the Moravian movement. A fervent believer and organizer in prayer societies, Zinzendorf propagated the same throughout Europe. Famed missionary William Carey was affected by this movement, as were the Wesley brothers, John and Charles, George Whitfield, who frequented prayer societies in England. These societies united in deep prayer for God to move in extraordinary ways. Zinzendorf himself started a prayer meeting in July 1727 that continued 24 hours a day, seven days a week for 100 years. Stop and think about that. A prayer service that lasted over a hundred years. And what was the reach of those old prayer societies? They spread across Europe. They came into the New World. Even the separatists who set sail to the New World as pilgrims were part and parcel of these prayer societies. I borrow from the history books just to underscore in this daily devotion We cannot ignore united prayer. Those people who landed at Plymouth Rock were not only in search of religious freedom, they were in search of an authentic Christianity, and they brought an answer with them for anything that would face them in the new world, and that was united prayer. United prayer still has the power to upend a country 
to turn a group of believers in a local town upside down for the power of the gospel. This is all part of our worship, and that is united prayer. There is a God-fearing generation in our world today that has risen up and said, we have decided we are going to see God at work in our lives, our homes, our cities, our nation. I believe that's why you tune into this radio broadcast, is that you want to see God at work in your world. In bemoaning the cooling of religious affection, a notable preacher at the founding of America named Cotton Mather, he published an essay to promote the formation of prayer societies as the necessary antidote to the condition of the church. Prayer societies, concerted prayer, extraordinary prayer, united prayer, it was deemed the answer to America's drift and decline, and for 400 years, it's held true, and it's been seen again and again. Like a tide, united prayer has ebbed and flow in our nation, in our movements. Unlike the tide, united prayer is less predictable. How people of faith respond to world events or condition, it will vary widely. In times of uncertainty, tribulation, or waning religious fervor, some believers, like those in the early churches in Jerusalem and Rome, would turn to the Lord with heartfelt cries. The same conditions, though, may prompt a different reaction among other believers who may, like the churches of Smyrna and Sardis and Revelation, grow fearful and silent in the face of changing world events. So in the early history of this nation, People of faith responded to the changing world through united prayer. That response led to what has been termed awakenings, intense and prolonged seasons of God, where the Lord showed great harvest and great change in our nation. There's a disagreement on the exact number of such religious events in America, but I want to mention a few of these because I believe they provide a glimpse of what is happening right now in our present world. The first great awakening happened in the 1700s. It happened in the original 13 colonies with such notables as Jonathan Edward and David Brainerd. Jonathan Edwards preached the most famous message in American history, sinners in the hands of an angry God. What is not often mentioned is that it, the evening before this message was preached, there was a united prayer service. Edwards would hammer home again and again that it was this united prayer that was the answer to turn the culture around. When they gathered, they prayed for two things, that the church would be revived and that the kingdom would advance. Ordinary prayer focused on the needs we face each and every day. But extraordinary prayer focuses on changing the spiritual climate in our churches and in our nations. The impact was immeasurable and continued into the American Revolution. And after the Revolution, there was again a moral slump. As J. Edwin Orr relates, drunkenness became epidemic. Out of a population of 5,300,000 were confirmed drunkards. They were burying 15,000 of them every year. Profanity was of the most shocking kind. And for the first time in the history of the American settlement, women were afraid to go out at night for fear of assault. Bank robberies were a daily occurrence. Church attendance collapsed. 
the Chief Justice of the United States Supreme Court, John Marshall, wrote to the Bishop of Virginia, James Madison, that the church was too far gone to ever be redeemed. Voltaire averred, and Tom Paine echoed, that Christianity will be forgotten in 30 years. A poll then taken at Harvard had discovered not one believer in the whole student body took a similar poll at Princeton, a much more evangelical place where they discovered only two believers in the student body. The students began to riot. They forced the resignation of the president of Harvard. They took a Bible out of the local Presbyterian church in New Jersey and they burned it on a public bonfire. Christians were so few on campus in the 1790s that they met in secret like a communist cell group. They kept their minutes in code so no one would know. What happened to change this? It was the second great awakening in the early 1800s. It was born of the American Revolution It included people like Finney and Asbury and Cartwright and Stone and McGreedy and others. Again, what prompted this? United prayer. Formal prayer meetings began the first Monday of every month where believers from all over the cities would gather to pray. The Cane Ridge Revival took place at that time. Thousands of people coming into the hills of the frontier of Kentucky to experience God. And from that second great awakening emerged missionary societies, the abolition of slavery movement, Bible societies, Sunday school, and so forth. United prayer. I'm Digging deep into American history to show that united prayer is part of our collective worship. Again, when America drifted away, again, when the situation deteriorated, then the third awakening began. It began in a prayer meeting in New York City after a Wall Street collapse. People started showing up for prayer. By late winter of that year of 1857, they were filling the Dutch Reformed Church, then the Methodist Church on John Street, then Trinity Episcopal Church on Broadway at Wall Street. In February and March of the next year, every church and public hall in downtown New York was filled with people praying. Landslides of prayer began, overwhelming churches up and down the East Coast. Church bells would ring, bringing people to prayer at eight in the morning, 12 noon, six in the evening. And out of this revival came a young shoe salesman whose name became a household word, D.L. Moody. The effects of those prayer meetings were seen for 40 years. It led to the Welsh Revival. It led to the Azusa Street Revival. And the outpouring of the Spirit was like no other. I could keep going through the history of America in united prayer. But I want to stop right here and I want to underscore what happened each time we saw united prayer. Here are the five elements of each American awakening. First, intercession. People of faith unite in prayer for God to send a revival like has not been seen before. The second thing that happens is revelation. God responds to reveal himself in a tangible manner. He gives direction for what to do. The third thing is consecration. God's response leads to human response. People of faith begin to devote themselves and separate themselves to him, to one another, to his cause, 
to a higher degree. And then comes number four, renewal. The old comes back to life again and becomes fruitful once again. It does not take a mighty flood of the Spirit. It's at the scent of water that stump can sprout again. And then number five is expansion. The reach of the church is expanded, territory is gained, converts are won, and believers make a significant impact on their surrounding culture. United prayer is the common factor that leads to all of these things when people of faith get together to pray. D.L. Moody once said, every great movement of God can be traced to a kneeling figure. When the first great awakening happened, some accepted it, some did not. Those who accepted it were called the new lights. Those who did not accept it were called the old lights. I want new light to fall on each and every one of us today. I don't want the diminishing glory of a day gone by. I want God to do something new and to arise in our midst. I would tell you in this daily devotion that it is coming. In fact, I believe it's already here. It's already happening. New light is dawning and people are accepting it. And the more that you and I unite in prayer, God is bringing a new thing into our midst. He's going to change our lives. He's going to change our nation. He's going to do something far beyond our imagination. Thank you for sharing in daily devotion with Ken Gurley. We pray this ministry has been a source of encouragement and strength to you. Please be mindful that your financial support enables us to meet with you each day. To give a donation or connect with us, visit our website at kengurley.com. There you will also find the latest books, podcasts, and resources. Blessed, 90 Days to Change Your World is Pastor Gurley's latest book. You can get your copy of this life-changing book at kengurley.com. May God's favor rest on you in every way until we meet again.